Sensitivity is intelligence. With grace and skill, you have abundance. Welcome to the Psychic Hour. Host Kelly Brickle is a psychic medium, numerologist, healer, and teacher. Her passions are learning about the soul and energy. Whether through spirit, emotion, or vibrational numbers, there is always a pathway of information waiting to help. Now, here's your host of the Psychic Hour, Kelly Brickle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Psychic Hour. I'm Kelly Brickle, and it is the Psychic Hour interview show today. And we have the wonderful Michael Mayo on, who is a medium and an astrologer, and just a lot of experience under his belt with his passions and his gifts. So I'm excited to talk to him today. And we're going to be bringing him kind of in fresh out of the gate in just a couple of minutes. So everybody coming in, um, if you have any questions about mediumship or astrology, this is the time to do it as we begin to talk and open up this space. So welcome everybody coming on in. All right. So with that said, let's introduce Michael. And with that, for everybody who knows him, or if this is the first time that you've heard of him, Michael Mayo is an internationally trained medium astrologer and spiritual teacher. He developed his mediumship in the United Kingdom under mediums such as Gordon Smith and Eileen Davis. Michael brings a practical, grounded, and evidential style to his spiritual work. While developing his mediumship, he graduated as well from the University of California, Irvine, with his bachelor's in psychology, behavioral science, and drama. With his passion for teaching and helping others discover their own unique spiritual connection, he has also founded his school, the Oak Bridge Institute for Mediumistic and Physical Studies, as well as teaching internationally. Michael is also a second-generation astrologer with over 18 years of understanding astrological theory. Blending his many spiritual gifts and skills, as well as practical, grounded, and results-oriented approaches, his greatest mission is to show that life, like love, is eternal. And with that said, let's bring Michael in and welcome. Hello. Hi, Kelly. How's it going? Hi, Michael. It's going good. Thank you for being a part of the show. It's on the new format today for the first time oh, for wow. the Psychic Hour. Yes, with the interview series. So you are christening it. So thank you for um, your presence today. Wow, Hello. I loved your yeah. intro, by the way. Your intro was so cool. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. With all the graphics and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I loved it. Put those together. I love visuals. I'm sure you can appreciate some good visuals okay. as well. Um, please take me from the top. So I, I know that you are local where I am in Orange County, and you are in California for everybody getting to know kind of where your base is. But you've been all over the world with your mediumship, with teachers, with teaching yourself, and now growing your school. So how did you start? Um, when did you first get into mediumship? Yeah, so um, thank you. That's a great question. When I started 
Uh, I started basically when I was 18. I stumbled into a medium, um, a mediumship demonstration. And uh, there was a medium from the UK that was there. And uh, he basic, basically came to me, which I was very surprised about because I had never had anyone pass that was close to me. Um, he ended up coming to me and he asked me, are you very psychic? And I said, yes. And I only said yes because I had dreams that had come true and things like that, but I didn't really fully know what that meant. Um, and then he said, you're a medium, you need to start developing and one day you'll be doing what I'm doing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know what any of that means. I've never had a mediumistic experience in my life as far as I knew. And uh, I went to my very first mediumship development class. And uh, in that class, it was my turn to read. I, and someone was standing at the front and I was just reading the energy that was around them. And I became aware of a gentleman and I gave his name, his passing condition, how he died, the relationship, um, dates that were significant to him, all just, just came. It was just there. And uh, so it was kind of like the perfect reading, so to speak, you know, the very first time I ever tried to do that. So I said to myself, oh, I guess that guy was right, <laughs> right? And uh, that sort of, you know, began the journey. Uh, I went to the next week, that class again, that uh, mediumship circle, and I got nothing. And then I went to the next one and I got nothing. And I went to the next one and I got nothing. And that was sort of like the spirit world dangling the carrot, basically going, hey, this is what's possible. Now go develop it. And so I spent the last 17 years uh, developing my mediumship and psychic awareness. Wow. So I think that is very true, though. We might have this knock um, ourselves over experience and then we're kind of perplexed of it's not going according to plan, even if let's say, and you can understand this, if we're grounded, if we're practical, if we're hardworking, we go, what, what's happening? This isn't exactly right. And right is, is very confusing in this work sometimes when we're beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, it, it sort of scratched an itch of searching for something bigger than myself that I think I've always had. And when I had that experience, I recognized, okay, well, this is possible. I'm capable of this. I just don't know how I did it. And so it was sort of that drive to search for, you know, truth and what is my own personal potential. And uh, I think that that's what kind of propelled me. So I think the spirit world had a really good idea of what they needed to do to me to like get me hooked in, which was give me this amazing experience. And then now I have to actually go out there and try to discover what does that actually mean? What does that mean for me? What am I beyond just this body? So it's been a beautiful journey of ups and downs, hardships, and also successes. Uh, and I'm so grateful for it. In the beginning stages, what were some of the aha moments that made you go, oh, this is how I do it? Yeah, so that was a bit of a journey um, of discovering that because along the way as I was developing, it wasn't just strictly mediumship. I was also developing other energetic awareness. I was developing psychism. Um, I was you know, doing other healing modalities. So there was all these different things that we're sort of piecing together um, kind of eclectically that I think 
each thing that I learned sort of opened myself to a potential. But really, it wasn't until much later into my um, experiences that um, I think really helped me unfold it. I like to tell it like this. In the very beginning, it was proved to me that this is even possible right? Like that, that there is a spirit world, that there's something. Cause like, even though I was doing these things, I didn't know, right? Like there was this sense of sure. Okay. But maybe could this be psychology? Could I be cold reading? Could I be doing something else to kind of make this thing real? Right. Um, so it was like, first I need to know that this is even real or possible. Once I felt confident in that, then it became, okay, well, I believe that other people can do this but I don't know that I can do this, right? So then I'm, I'm trying to see if that's true. And then finally, it, or not finally, and then it goes into, I believe that this is uh, possible for me, right? And then finally, it's, I know that this is all real and I know that, this, that I'm capable of doing these things. And it really wasn't until the, I would say, I mean, there's so many points along the way that made me go, okay, I believe, but then I might take a few steps back and then go forward and step, you know, kind of this back and forth thing. And I think that's very indicative of the, the journey for those who are seeking truth or seeking something real is that you will have those moments of, wow, that was this amazing experience and then go, mm, but was it something else? Do you know what I mean? And so there's, there's all of that that I think plays a role. That being said, um, there was a, quite a few instances that kind of took me from believing to knowing. One of them was my guide coming to me and over a series of time giving me facts and figures about their life and then being able to find them online and, and then see that in something I didn't know, they studied with mediums. I studied mediums, rather, a member of Society for Psychical Research, that sort of thing. So that was very validating because they gave me his name, his full name, you know, details about his life a year he died, where he was from, his occupation, like all these things. And there it all was in one little Wikipedia page on this person, which was pretty amazing. Um, another thing was working with Gordon Smith. Um, there was a, an experience where my uh, moving into a trance state and uh, doing a healing exercise and Gordon was able to kind of get the spirit person to literally move my body in all kinds of ways that I didn't, wasn't aware. It was mirroring his own movements, which told me again that the spirit world was using me and was real. Um, and then it was also just getting the opportunity to learn through experience and having amazing experiences occur um, throughout my mediumship development. So whether that's accurate readings, whether that's physical phenomena, like spirit lights in the room, objects floating, you know, moving across the room on their own, you know, these sorts of things that really made the spirit world very, very real for me, you know, taken together, I can't really deny all of that. No, no, absolutely. It's an investigation of self and uh, what's reality, right? Absolutely. 100%. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. And you we're not just developing those skills, but also it's mentioned that you're a second generation astrologer. So it runs in your family and you had to dive in deeper with that side of life too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my mom was always into astrology. And um, so, you know, I remember being in sixth grade and that's when I picked up my first astrology book <laughs> and started studying astrology. Um, and then eventually I kind of got 
even further than she was in her understanding of astrology um, and, uh, you know, started teaching her even further techniques and things like that. And then I was really blessed to have come across a teacher called Arthur Chadbourne, who now is in the world of spirit, who um, was an amazing astrologer. He's a traditional astrologer. And he took everything I thought I knew, flipped it on its head, and like the accuracy and the amazement of what astrology really can be really was revealed to me. So um, through through him. So yeah, that from you know sixth grade on, I've always been involved in astrology, learning astrology, understanding the chart, but it's honestly a lifelong study um, forever. <laughs> so yeah. Do you have any favorite houses or planets or ways to find um, what things mean, whether it's in sinistry or natal, et cetera? Do you, do you have any things that you're like, I'm really fascinated by this in astrology at this moment? Yes. Yeah, so my favorite form of astrology is what's called orary astrology. Um, wow. Ori astrology means of the hour, basically, ori. And basically what happens is if I was going to do an ori astrology for you, you'd come to me with a question and you'd say, hey, I can't find my cat. Where's my cat? Right. And then I would be able to cast a chart in that moment and tell you where your cat is and find it. Or if you were to ask me, you know, when am I going to get another job or when am I going to be shifting jobs? I can then cast a chart based off of that question and tell you whether you are going to get another job and then tell you almost to the day I'd have told it to the day before when xyz was going to happen so with ori astrology the rules are very strict and they're very specific and if you know those strict and specific rules you can get very direct answers to any question that you ask um it's so accurate that i honestly don't ever use it for myself because i don't want to know the future <laughs> surprised and um, sometimes i feel like if you can know the future you often don't want to so that's kind of how I feel that. So um, Ori astrology is, uh, to me, such a fun, fun thing that I think a lot of people don't even really know about. No, I, I didn't know about that. Um, I, with numerology, it can be very technical to the day, the hour, the minute sometimes. But that is so cool. I didn't know there was that side of astrology. Wow. Which I'm is you know, so funny about that in the ancient times. Um, you actually were taught Ori astrology long before you ever touched Nagel, long before you touched any other form of astrology, because the rules were so strict in how that operates. You have to show that you can be accurate about something that's going to happen in the moment versus something that's going to happen over a lifetime. That's far more complex with far more um, variables than just when's the letter going to be delivered to my house. You know what I mean? So, so it, it's actually, that was the traditional way of developing was first you started with Ori before you did anything else. Wow. So with the more open-ended things, where do you gravitate with your passions then with how you read with looking, let's say a couple years ahead? Yeah. So if I'm going to do anything that has to do with yearly things, um, I usually will use a solar return chart because to me, those are incredibly accurate. Um, I, that's actually one of my bread and butter things. I love doing solar return charts just because if you want to know what the themes are, if you want to know the potential outcomes of the next year, um, the, the bigger picture, so to speak, then I would definitely go with um, solar return charts. So I love that. 
if you I know they're very separate, even though there's crossovers, but I know they're very separate. Um, have you ever had mediumship coming into your astrology reading or vice versa? Yeah. Um, there has been one instance where I was doing a psychic reading for someone and they just showed me a chart and I just started reading the chart. Everything that I said about the chart was true for this person, which was really interesting, but that only happened the one time ever. And then um, as far as the other direction, um, sometimes if I'm looking at someone's chart, I might start picking up psychic information about it just because, you know, you get into a flow uh, kind of similarly. But what I would say is that they are very different. So they use different parts of the brain in the sense that one is very analytical and the other one is very non-thinking. And so, you know, getting psychic information, getting mediumship, you know, those things require you to actually put away the thinking mind. Whereas if you're going to do astrology, you, there's rules, there's like specific delineations, there's math you have to do to get the right degree and understand how many, you know, what the potential is for this timing thing. So to me, they're very, very separate things. But sometimes, basically, I, I doubt ever, uh, like I don't ever do an astrology reading and then something mediumistic or psychic because it's too hard to make that transition. However, I'm happy to do something mediumistic or psychic and then do astrology um, because that's an easier transition. Absolutely. Yeah. The vibration supports it. Um, yeah. and it's, the mental, it's the mental thing, I think, more than anything. It's the thinking, focusing, trying right before you do a mediumship is not conducive, but you can start thinking after being very passive much easier. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're open, right? So um, even though you have to be so technical, you're kind of flexible as you're technical. Yeah. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. I, in my eyes too, I wonder, uh, do they show you archetypes? Let's say, even though you are in a place of mediumship, you're like, oh, I'm aware of, he had an archetype like this or a personality like this and you get a flash or something like a symbol even. Yeah. So in mediumship, I tried to teach my students to avoid symbols. And the reason is um, symbology invites the mind. You make an association and then your brain thinks about it. Um, What we prefer to do is to whatever is happening in the moment is how you interpret that thing. So even if you did in one instance get, you know, cat eye sunglasses, right? You may in one reading, it may mean one thing and another reading, it may mean something entirely different. So it's more important that you check in with the context, how it feels in that moment rather than decide that every time I see this, it must mean X, Y, Z. The, the moment should teach you. As far as archetypes in, in you know, readings and things like that, um, symbology can play more so in psychism. I would say less so in mediumship. Um, so those archetypes and things like that, I would not um, use only because what it does is it can, again, invite the mind. An archetype is a mind. mind. And so we want to avoid anything that's going to kind of narrow our focus. We want to be flexible so that anything that arises, right? Like, let's say I see like a big, like red flannel lumberjack looking guy. If I stick with that archetype throughout the reading, I may then miss the fact that he loved to knit and that he raised kittens and that he was super sensitive and sweet, right? Because the normal thought about a lumberjack is going to be like tough, quiet, strong, all those sorts of things. So I have to stay flexible. So I actually avoid using any sort of uniform anything. 
I agree with that. Um, for let's say randomness, when the symbols that let's say you're just like, oh, in the context of this moment, I understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Do do things kind of bounce in sometimes? But yes, I agree. It lends itself much easily in psychic work. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, is you know, context is everything. But I think another thing, uh, and which comes from feeling, and so that's the clairsentient process. So the more that we can feel into whatever our experience is, that's going to often give us what it means, how how it's wanting to be represented in this moment. But I think it's also important to remember um, that mediums don't actually have to understand what we're talking about. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people run into as mediums, especially when they're learning, is they think they have to package everything for your sitter. And the reality is, is you may think something means something, like let's say you're giving a reading and you know, you're telling this whole story about this person and you're sort of creating this idea in your mind based off of everything that you're experiencing. Well, oftentimes what you'll realize is at the end when they tell you, oh, this is what this meant, this is what this meant, this is what this meant, you realize it had nothing to do with the story you were creating in your head, but the stimulus was still right. So the less that we can you know, try to understand the information, the better off. I always tell my students, don't listen to your readings. Like, don't try to listen to them because if you do, you're going to create a story and you might start to give information based off of what you think is happening rather than what's the stimulus coming from the spirit world. So you really want to keep your attention on what's coming from spirit, not from what's coming from your thinking mind. So keep it amorphous. Just keep it very amorphous um, when it comes to mediumship. I think that's very clear and important uh, distinction. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You, like you don't have to get it. And that doesn't mean that you can't get very specific information. I mean, I'm, I give street names. I give, you know, yes. places where people are come from. Those are very specific things, but it doesn't mean that I have to necessarily understand it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, from the ethers, <laughs> even yeah. though you know it, right? Yeah. Um Within your school, because, I mean, that's an accomplishment, building a school and starting to create uh, courses and to provide leadership for people. What are some of the things that you have developed and are continuing to develop going forward, continue to develop going forward? Of course. So um, I'm so excited about Oak Bridge Institute. It's my my little baby. I love it because... um, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Having been in this world of spiritual awareness and development and stuff for 17 years, I've seen a lot of teachers. I've seen a lot of teachers. I've seen a lot of people who, you know, teach in a certain way or, you know, they, there's different styles, there's different beliefs. And there's a lot of, forgive my French, bullshit out there. There's a lot of things that I think aren't helpful. They don't move you towards the goal of what I think the goal is, which is specificity, accuracy, uh, and and true genuine spirit connection. And so um, in all of those years of learning and developing, uh, I've been able to kind of distill things down to what actually works, what gives results, and what are personal experiences that we can have to help us know that the things that we're experiencing are real. So People tend to think of me as this very grounded, practical, evidence-based approach. I can be a little bit of a bubble popper. (laughs) When things get a little too airy-fairy, I'm like, poop, 
Because to me, the reality of spirit is far more magical than any sort of airy-fairy thing that we can sort of drum up. The reality of connecting genuinely with the spirit is magnificent and, and crazy and amazing. So to me, keeping it grounded, keeping it really evidence-based is so important. So with all that in mind, I created the Oak Bridge Institute along with my friend uh, and um, peer, Megan Elisa, maybe Megan Elisa for anyone who knows who she is. <laughs> and um, we, we put together um, a curriculum. So we have, um, we offer mediumship, we offer psychism development. Um, so for the mediumship courses, we have foundational courses that take us from you don't know anything or maybe you have some experience, but you feel like there's gaps in your learning. We teach foundations one for that. Then we have foundations two and foundations three. Foundations three is particularly special because it's so focused on the power, which is something that's not often talked about uh, in a lot of teaching is the power of spirit and how we learn to understand it and recognize it. That's actually everything. It's not about us going and getting information. It's not about us hunting it down. It's about us learning to follow a flow, follow the energy. Um, and so in our foundation series, we feel like it's quite unique and not, it's just not, people don't teach it the way we teach it. Um, there's only one or two teachers that I can think of that really do teach in that similar vein, which I have found to be the most effective. Um, after that, we move into expansion, which is all about becoming the whole medium, meaning personal development alongside your mediumistic development, because that's such a huge part. And then we move into uh, a couple of other levels after that, um, which will take you eventually into more of the professional uh, working with the public, that sort of thing. So all in all, if you take our um, found, like foundations through advancing, you will be with us for about three, three and a half years, something like that. So it's a, it's a full course on learning how to actually develop your awareness solidly. Um, we're strong believers in you don't have to rush out there and become a medium right away. Like really learn your craft and learn how to do this well because becoming a medium is so much more than just making a link to the spirit and giving a message. It's about developing yourself and spiritualizing yourself, which is such a huge, huge component to it all. So um, that's one avenue. We also have psychism, although I'm kind of reworking that just a little bit right at this moment, so it's not available right this second. We have workshops that we do. We offer demonstrations. We also offer uh, weekly classes that are just dropping. So let's say you don't want to do like the full courses um, you're welcome to do, um, you know, drop in weekly circles, which is the traditional way of developing as well. So there's so many different options. I love what we have and we're only growing and adding more and more things as time goes on. So yeah, that's Oakbridge. <laughs> with uh, something that you were excited about with learning to teach others how to be in the power, um, does that go back to uh, the basic foundations of sitting in the power, or does that actually expand on what that means for people who are learning about that from a mediumship um, entry point? Yeah, so uh, sitting in the power is the practice that we do to build our power and to, which is your energetic backpack, so to speak, um, when you're working with anything with the spirit world, when you're working with anything sort of other awareness, uh, as I like to call it. So your um that's one part of the power and then the other part of the power is the power of spirit and this is the thing that actually moves and inspires us this is this is the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to uh mediumship communication 
the power of spirit is the thing that moves you. So you'll feel an atmospheric change in your being. You'll feel the movement of information start to inspire you. So that's the power that we're talking about when we talk about like being in the power. So you'll, have, you'll sometimes hear teachers be like, um, are you working in the power or, you know, they lost the power or something along those lines. That means that they've lost or they're not working in the sort of entrancement that sort of happens. So media, mental mediumship is a form of altered states. It's a very light form of altered states, but you are moving into a very passive receptive state where you're delivering information and also being able to uh, sense uh, and perceive the other world. So working with the power it's basically a divine intelligence that moves and inspires you, that gives you all the information. Um, so it's not something that comes from us. It's something that's happening to us. And we're just narrating that experience. And that is you know, what mediumship is. And that's really what the power is when we are talking about it as it applies to when you're reading versus like just sitting in the power. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. Um, and also, does the Oak Group Institute mostly focus on mental mediumship with development? Yeah, so um, we actually plan on, because we don't have full courses yet on trans mediumship, but we have, um, we do have Eileen Davies who's coming in to do a trans uh, development course. Um, so we have trance um we are going to have healing although i'm still on the search for someone who i feel is like a solid teacher who has evidence to prove that they consistently provide not just energetic healing but actual physical results as well that to me is very very important um, because i have been blessed to see just a couple of different people um who can really like you literally you have a hurt knee they put their hands on you and then that knee pain is completely gone forever so um I've seen that. I know that exists. And so I'm waiting until I find someone to kind of put them in down that avenue. Um, and then it's uh, it's not just mental mediumship. We also teach psychism as well. So psychism, trance, mental mediumship, and healing is kind of the goal there. It's a fantastic goal. It's lofty, but, you know, it's from the heart, right? Absolutely. Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, I have experience in all of these different things. It's just that I want, I'm just one person <laughs> and I can't do it all. If, if it were up to me, I could just teach trance. I could teach mental media, so I could teach psychism. I could do all of it. But unfortunately that's like every, like that would take up all my time. And you know, you also have to have a life too. So um, that's why we have different tutors who come in and teach those topics as well. Yeah, and you're forgetting headmaster too as well. So that's a good <laughs> hat, right? Wearing a lot of different hats for sure. Where do you find yourself um, within your uh, psychic mediumship um, work being the most directed at as well? I kind of asked that in astrology, but in this work, maybe it's the teaching, maybe it's the school building, but with the reading department as well, where do you find yourself in your, your current fascination? Yeah. So interestingly, it's less to do with like doing readings for others um, it's more so in the personal connection and personal development where I find most fascinating. So the spirit world has been working on uh, deeper levels of trance with me where I'm just completely unconscious and then my body automatically starts speaking 
and then I get awoken from the trance because I hear myself speaking. <laughs> uh, and so they're kind of working in that realm to kind of keep me under and be able to speak themselves without me even being involved. I'm like literally dreaming and then they come in and start speaking. But then that unfortunately startles me awake. And so then, uh, so yeah, they're kind of working on that. To me, that's probably the most fascinating thing right now for me, just because um, I don't know of other mediums who are kind of working in those states right now, um, where they're literally just kind of going to sleep. And then, and that, you know, not to say that there hasn't been other mediums, there are absolutely and have been other mediums who have worked in the deeper levels of trance. You just don't see it very often. Uh, it's not as common in the United States. So are you considering that like, um, do you start with trance or do you start with mental mediumship and then go into trance? Like what is the format that you're building with that? Yeah. So do you mean like for me personally or like for anyone trying to develop it? For you personally, because you said it's been coming into your work more. Yeah. So it's less to do with my work with other people. It's more to do with like my own mediumship development. So in your um, mediumship development, you should have what's called a home circle. So a home circle is a group of people who sit for a specific medium's development. And that's the traditional way of actually developing your mediumship. It wasn't going to workshops or courses or things like that. That's a more of a modern iteration uh, of how to develop. And the traditional way is having a group of dedicated sitters sitting for the development of one medium. And what they do is they're adding their power, they're creating a space for the spirit world to work on different aspects and things of what is possible to develop within that medium. Um, back in the day, they would have all been friends that got together and then everyone would just sort of sit together in the stillness and in the quiet and then someone would eventually start to show signs of mediumistic ability. And then everyone would then switch and go, okay, now we're sitting for this person because we all want to enjoy and experience the possibility of spirit communication. So a home circle is super important for any medium who is very serious about it because it provides a space in which you can surrender fully because there's no pressure on you to perform, to provide a reading, to do anything. And that freedom really helps the spirit world to continuously develop what is possible within you. So when I'm referring to the things that are happening in the trance states, I'm referring to what happens in my own kind of home circle, um, less to do with my work with the public, more what is the world developing within my own um, work, which hopefully would down the road turn into something I can apply to, you know, sittings for other people uh, and that sort of thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, originally, um, I was like, oh, within your work, that's being added. But in your personal development, I understand now. And that I think really is important to talk about because a lot of people don't have that um, opportunity to have a consistent circle or to have, you know, people within the circle really devoted to each person with adding or um being patient and just holding space with them. That's really unique and rare, I would say, and special. It, it, it unfortunately is more rare. Um, but back in the day, that was the common thing, right? Because back in the day, they didn't have TikToks or Facebooks or social media or a bunch of TV and things like that. That was what they did for fun. For fun, they said, hey, let's all get together and see if we can contact the spirit world and just sit and be still and be quiet and let that power move within us. Um, so they really had a good opportunity to, to learn to be passive, surrendered, just being in the power. And what you find is if you have people who understand that that is a valuable thing, um, either through their own experiences or being willing to explore that, 
you end up finding that everyone in the circle develops in some way because we're what we're doing is we're creating a sacred space for the spirit world to move us to inspire us to draw near and that's really what develops you it, i mean i always tell my students i'm always like you don't have to be here you don't have to be paying me money to take circles or classes or workshops if you just learn to sit in the stillness and learn to sit in the quiet and sit in the power you will develop that will develop you and if you can add a few more people to that circle just one other one maybe two other ones you you'll only increase it with each person that you add after a certain point right it's an energetic soup so you just need people who are non-competitive very patient open to just whatever experience happens because they have a love for the spirit world they have a desire to experience things so it is difficult to find but they're absolutely out there and the more people who are educated in understanding how the proper way to develop your mediumship works the more likely you're going to find the people among those educated who understand the value and the purpose of why we sit in home circle how have you found that you have changed whether within the past five years or even a couple of years from your uh, personal development, the way that you work with the spirit world or even understand your energy? Yeah. So um, I definitely can say that, you know, obviously 17 years is a long time and the age gap where I was, you know, is also a very formative time period as well. Or 18 to like, you know, 36 is quite a journey, right? But what I would say is, especially more now than ever, <laughs> I have a deeper understanding of why we do what we do as mediums um, because of losing close people to me and people that I love uh, very, very dearly. And what that has done is opened a depth of compassion and love for people and for literally everyone because um, this is a hard place to live, right? Like living in the physical world where there's, you know, separation, loss, grief, death, like all of this sorts of things it is really painful and difficult. And I think that the more that I've actually had normal physical human experiences, the deeper that has taken my understanding of my work. When I started this work, I was uh, a kid. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was 18, 19, right? So I didn't have the life experience um, and the loss to really paint for me what this was all about, what it really meant to lose people that you love. And while to me, I think then it was more of a skill of being accurate and, and doing this and being happy that it's helping people, but not having that sort of personal recognition of its value, that sort of built in understanding of why this is important. So once I started losing people really, really close to me, it really taught me the importance and the value of loving people here now on such a deeper way. So I think every time that I've been touched by grief or loss as I, while being a medium has only deepened my love and my compassion for everyone and everything and recognizing the value and importance of being a kind, compassionate, loving, supportive person, because who do I want to be? right? Who do I want to be at the end of my life? And I want to live my life in a way where I don't need a medium to be able to say, hey, I'm sorry that I did this, or, you know, I wish I would have done this differently. I want to live my life in a way that is 
valuing people, valuing relationships, valuing and, and highly valuing love and the relationships that I build based on that. With the love that comes back to you from your past loved ones, uh, what messages or impressions have really shaped where you are now too as well? Yeah, it's interesting because it's less to do with when they're disembodied and coming back and giving me something and more so the lessons that I learn through the grief, through the loss about what it means to be living. Because for me, once they've entered that sort of spiritual realm, um, there isn't a sense for me of them being in pain or, you know, unhappy or anything like that. Like, I know that they are perfectly fine now. So it's more to do with the human side of experiencing loss and what does that teach us about the value of living, the value of loving, and that sort of thing. So it's weird because I almost want to say that it is the act of their passing that creates the learning, less to do with what they communicate to me after their passing. Does that make sense? Yes. And it's almost as if each passing that I've had that people close to me has taught me a different layer of about love, about the laws of life or the the rules of living, so to speak. Um, And really what all of those experiences do just validate the things I've been hearing from the spirit world over all of these years. So it takes it from a, I'm just hearing this in a logical thinking way um, sort of like a mental construct, right? Like love one another, be compassionate, find, you know, the inner peace, look for your purpose. You know, these sorts of ideas that I've always had since I was a kid, right? 18, 19, that's the things I've been hearing this whole time. But when you have the lived experience to match that, you suddenly discover a new level, a new layer of depth with that. Does that make sense? Because the messages from the other side don't really change all that much with regards to the ultimate truth of things right of what is valuable what is important um and so it's really about our understanding of something that maybe was always there always consistent in my understanding does that make sense so it's sort of like until you've had those experiences it's hard to fully grasp what's being discussed does that make sense yeah yeah our consciousness has to change um and we have to mature and grow and develop Um, maybe, you know, when we're in deeper states, things come, but it's different when our soul connects to our consciousness, who we are and what we're understanding and how we can lead people forward or our work or just the way we're living. Absolutely. 100%. And I think, I think that's one of the things, especially within mediumship development, if I were to tell all of the students, all of the important things that I think really, as you continue to develop and it distills down into one big fat point where it's like, these are the key ideas that you want to take within mediumship. If I told that to a foundations one student on the very first day, it's not going to mean anything. It's really not going to have the same impact or really value. They have to go through the experiences of development. And I can't tell you how many times I hear from my students where they'll say something to me like, you've said this to me like 300 times in 12,000 different ways. And yeah, I just now got it. I just now get what you're talking about because the experience 
is what makes the information takes it from knowledge into wisdom, right? Wisdom is knowledge and experience together. And so that's really something I think that applies both in this sort of micro example of like a mediumship development student, as well as the macro example of a human life where you need to have experiences to turn that information that you know into wisdom that you embody. What um, current experiences um, with the school, we talked about a little bit, but with um, other things like your offerings or even events do you have coming up? Um, the show goes so quickly, just like that. Um, where can people find you and what can they be a part of with what you're facilitating? Yeah, so um, there's a couple different places you can find things. Um, if you're interested in working with me personally, directly, I do offer mentoring um, which I'm going to be opening up for October uh, coming up. So I offer small group mentorings, which is three to four people at a time where I'm working with you directly. Uh, for two to one mentoring, which is you and one other person, and then one to one mentoring, um, which is just one on one. So that's one way if you want to develop your mediumship, your psychism, um, you can do that. Uh, another way that, and you can do that through mediummichaelmayo.com. If you're interested in developing your mediumship more in that group level and those courses that we were talking about, you want to look at oakbridgeinstitute.org, which is an online school. And then um, with those courses, we can take you from the very beginnings of your development, or even if you have some experience and like basically take you all the way through uh, to the end. Um, and so that is definitely another option. Um, with the courses though, we only teach the foundation series um, twice a year. So the next one that's available is in January. So there is a wait list if you want to jump on that wait list to be informed um, when that opens up to register for. Uh, but in January would be the next time that you'd be able to kind of jump into the courses. Um, however, there are weekly circles every week, multiple circles that you can jump into at any time which would be on the circles page of that website, oakbridgeinstitute.org. So if someone's looking for a circle, that is a great resource to check out. Um, before we leave too, as well, I always give guests the last word. So it's like an inspiration, something dear to your soul or something off the cuff. Um, what would you like to part with and share? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Kelly, for having me on here. I really appreciate you. Uh, inviting me on here is a great, great conversation. Love your questions. <laughs> but what I want to say to uh, everyone else, um, I think it's something that's probably said a lot, given the life experiences that we have. But very recently, I lost one of my best friends um, just a couple weeks ago, just a few weeks ago. Um, and she was such a beautiful example of the kind of life that we can live, um, which is one of compassion, being there for people, supporting each other, and how that what really struck me in her memorial service um, was how the story was the same for everyone, which is this person was always there for me. They always would drop anything to come help me. They were so loving and supportive. And to see how many people experienced that made me go, how did she have time for anything else? <laughs> um, of just other than just like helping people. But what, what it really shone upon my own heart was how can I deepen my love and compassion 
for everybody else here? How can I look past maybe the way that people present themselves and see and love the potential of someone and who they can be and love that person until they meet that potential? Because, you know, we all have our challenges. We all come with our baggage. We all have our traumas that we're working through. And I feel that now more than ever, there is a recognition of maybe not taking things so personally, not deciding that this person is bad or toxic right off the bat because they said or they did something, and instead trying to find understanding and compassion for those who are maybe struggling or suffering. And to try to take that step back and recognize the way that people are treating me has nothing to do with me and everything to do with how they feel about themselves. And so I guess what I'd love to leave everybody with is love so hard the people that are always there for you. Love so hard the people that maybe we sometimes feel like they're always going to be there. Because the reality is, is there'll come a point where you physically can't hold them. You physically can't hug them uh, anymore. And that is a very felt loss, right? So for every moment that you have right now with the people that you love, with every moment that you have right now, with um, opportunities to deepen love with people that we know or people that are valuable to us, give them that give them that, give them the love that is there and really breathe in every single moment that you have with the people that are valuable to you. I know that's not some magical, fanciful thing, but I do think it is a core um, of, of what it means to be here and alive and with people. And I think the more that we seed love in this world, the better off it'll be. So that would be my little words for you guys. I think they're very powerful. You know, love with all your being, love with all your being. Um, thank you so much for being here, Michael. Thank you for your words and sharings. Um, thank you everyone for being here as we continue to um, grow and, um, you know, change this platform and share from the heart. Um, with that said, uh, we will see you next week to everyone. Um, please go with love, luck, light, and don't forget to live. See you next week, everybody. Thank you, Michael. Thank you.